Cheers, Chris. And hello, UniChurch. Really good to be with you guys. Um, we've got a big task ahead of us today. It actually is, is a very emotional passage, as I'm sure you've already uh, felt and seen uh, as Chris has read it. Um, so let's pray to God that he'd help us to dive in and actually go on this journey together. Let's pray. Father God, we really need your help tonight. You would open not just our minds to think on what uh, this psalm has to say, but also our hearts to be emotionally gripped um, by the story that's told here and, and how we can connect with it. So please, by your spirit, would you uh, transform us today? Would you teach us? Uh, would you use uh, this psalm to spur us on to grow closer to you? In Jesus' name, amen. Well, growing up, one of the things that I just couldn't get enough of was a good, solid lullaby. Anyone with me on that one? Maybe we're like a little too old for that. But when I, my dad, he used to sing to me before I go to sleep. I'd sing such classics as uh, the Grand Old Duke of York. Or one, two, three, four, five. Yeah, I'm hearing like a one, one sort of response there. Maybe you guys are a little bit too old to remember. But there, there were, um, maybe you've got some nieces, some nephews, or um, some little siblings. When you sing those things, they are a powerful, soothing effect, uh, especially if they're sung better than I sang them. Um, but really, um, I remember that it was just a couple of those songs, and I would go from thinking about things to just drifting peacefully into uh, the depths of slumber. Mm. Sadly, lullabies, they, they don't cut it anymore. Uh, I haven't really asked my flatmates if they'd try singing to me, uh, but my, my hunch is that the problems of today, as I've grown into an adult, are just a little too big, a little too fearsome. We, with age, it, there comes a difference. Our problems, they won't just disappear when we wake up the next day. There's responsibilities. There's relationships. Conflicts. There's distress. There's anxieties, uncertainty, fears. And the list goes on and on and on. The simple worlds of lullabies, they just don't measure up to the brutal realities of the world, weighing in on our hearts, clouding our minds, and sitting on our chests. And often, the first casualty is our sleep. Sleeplessness, though, it isn't just due to blue light on our devices or you know, our manic 21st century work schedules. Really, it's always been around, always been a product of people wrestling with these personal troubles. The life we lead, it's not that different from the author of this psalm, Asaph, who is struggling through one or more sleepless nights of his own. Last week, we saw him wrestling with the easy lives of evil people. But this week, he's wondering why his own life is so hard. We find him dealing with his day of trouble. He can't close his eyes. His hands are lifted up all night long as he cries aloud over and over Imagine the rigors of hour on hour, eyes fixed on the wall, waiting for God to answer, arms sagging under the weight of the world. He's moaning, but unable to speak. His strength seems spent, but sleep still won't overtake him. This is the pits of despair. You're probably wondering what's going on. What's causing him to feel like this? We'll get there soon. But first, I just want to address another thought that you might have. Maybe you're sitting here, you're already a veteran of counting as many sheep as you do problems every night when you lie there. I've even had a few of those recently, maybe a bit of method acting to kind of get into Asaph's head a little bit. Or maybe you might be here and you're, you're not so much of a Bible geek. 
You're not someone who's super acquainted with the Bible, and you're wondering, how exactly is this helpful? Like, so what? This guy, this old guy, he wrote in his diary about his problems. What can we actually take away from it? Well, the remarkable thing is, Asaph, he finds an answer. I'll put it to you today that like a down-on-his-luck prospector stumbling across absolute gold, Asaph finds an answer to the problems robbing him of sleep. That sounds good. Hey. Have you got a personal trouble or doubt that's weighing in on you today or maybe even last night? Don't fixate on it, but keep it in the back of your mind today. Fiddle with it and see if today can't be the day you find comfort, encouragement, and actually maybe some answers. And that's where we'll look to our first point here, our present troubles. And I do say our present troubles, even though this here is Asaph's story, because this was written as a community song. Don't ignore the first line that Chris read out, Psalm 77, verse 1, on the screen. For the choir director, according to Jijuthun, of Asaph, a psalm. What's the significance of that? We're often used to skipping headers, but these are actually there in the original text. It's telling us that ancient Israel, they saw fit to have their choirs sing this song together, this very personal account. They sang it together. Asaph wasn't writing a diary entry. He expected that the nation, the people of God, they could collectively relate to the experience that was behind the pain, and they would feel it in their own way. So at this point, I, I need to do a shout-out to all the robots in the room. And I know you guys are there, because I'm one of them. And I'm not talking about, like, robot overlords, you know, covered in skin. I'm not, you know, throwing conspiracy theories out there. I'm talking about the sort of robots that struggle with emotions. You know, can, is there an amen out there? Anyone? No? no? Okay, just laughter. Okay, it might only be me. But I do struggle with emotions. And when I come to the Psalms, sometimes I feel like, so what? I can't really engage with this. So robots, if you're out there, I know you are, listen up. <laughs> the beauty of the Psalms is they take us on emotional rides, and we can learn and we can feel with them. Because even if this isn't us now, it could be in the future, or it could be a friend or a family member. We should prepare to handle pains and doubts so they don't derail us. Prevention here is much better than a cure. So what is so relatable that they could all sing this? And what for Asaph has left him so hurt that he can't even speak. And even thinking of God gives him actual pain. Now for some of us here, to ask the question is to answer it. You know exactly what leaves someone feeling like this. Because you've been there yourself. And that's probably the best answer we've got since Asaph, he nowhere tells us exactly what's causing his agony. All we know is he has problems and wants answers. Because that's where he goes as he turns to God in a series of five pointed questions. Verse 7 says, Will the Lord reject forever and never again show favor? Has his faithful love ceased forever? Is his promise at an end for all generations? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in anger withheld his compassion? Have you ever asked these questions yourself? But the chances are, like that, probably no. But they do tell a shared story of abandonment, uncertainty, confusion, doubt, fear. Maybe your version of these questions is already on your mind, or if you struggle like me to relate, it might help to spell them out a bit. So I wonder if you see yourself in any of these related questions. God, I know you're not mean, 
but it feels like you are when they mock me at work. Where am I even going with this degree, Lord? Why did you put me here? Where are you, God, in my endless singleness? It just doesn't make sense, given your love. Maybe now you're starting to see yourself in Asaph's shoes. God, how come I can't pay rent? It doesn't fit your promise to provide. God, my brother followed you. I just can't understand why cancer would come knocking. God, if I can't die, please show me how to live. That last one is the real prayer of a lady by the name of Johnny Erickson Tata. Here she is on the screen. Uh, the, the picture there from a movie about her, it actually shows her story pretty well. She was an ordinary 17-year-old, uh, active by all accounts. She used to ride horses and, and live a full life. Uh, until one day she came along and uh, went on a trip with her friends to the beach. And so she got to the beach. They, they wanted to go swimming. Uh, so she got ready and she, she went to dive in. And what she didn't realize uh, was that the water was very shallow. You can probably imagine what happened next. She hit the ground, she broke her neck, and was paralyzed from the neck down. She describes her journey from there like this. I felt as though God had smashed me underfoot like a cigarette. At night, I would thrash my head on the pillow, hoping to break my neck at a higher level and thereby end my misery. But after weeks in bed, I got tired of being depressed, and I finally cried out, God, if I can't die, please show me how to live. It was just the prayer God was waiting for. Johnny's life, it turned around from there. She spent two tough years in rehab, questioning God, but never ignoring him. You see, God's word is it's saying the same thing today as we heard last week. It's okay to bring your complaints, your questions, and your doubts to God. As they say these days, it's okay not to be okay. When you're felt experience, it doesn't line up with what you know from the Bible, what it says about God. Don't shrink away. Come to him. Because if Asaph or Johnny, if they didn't trust what the Bible said about God, what reason would they have to complain when they felt the opposite? We should be honest with God. Asaph did it. Johnny did it. Do we have the confidence to do the same? It sounds simple. But it's got to be said, it's okay to bring our questions to God. Because I wonder if sometimes we, we see God a little like they do in an ad for NordVPN, or ExpressVPN, that's more popular now. You guys get those YouTube ads, um, they get the plug at the start of the ad. If you don't know, VPNs are these kind of like uh, private internet servers that kind of hide your, uh, your usage and what you're doing. And they'll always say in these ads like, oh, don't let the big tech companies like Google see what you're doing. Don't let the FBI see what you're doing with your, with your internet. Now, I've got to say, if you, if you are doing something that the FBI would be interested in, you probably should stop doing that. <laughs> it's not good. But it does get me thinking, do we see God a little like these, these ads see the FBI? We kind of see him like he's monitoring us. He's watching us for wrong thoughts. A little like the thought police in 1984. This is not the case. We don't need to filter ourselves before God. We can really bring our doubts and pains before him in prayer. Because he's our father. And he's a loving father. He already knows what we're grappling with. 
So after all these questions are posed by Asaph, we see the elephant-sized conclusion right there in verse 10. I am grieved that the right hand of the Most High has changed. The feeling in Asaph's heart is that God doesn't treat him or Israel the way he used to. God is no longer the same God to Israel. He's gone back on his promises. He's deserted them. Is that it then? Has God just changed for the worse? Well, as soon as Asaph expresses that, the psalm, it turns on its head as he delivers himself the best kind of reality check, a history lesson. In order to address that feeling, he turns from his present troubles to God's past faithfulness. This is the next point in your outlines, God's past faithfulness. Asaph, he declares in verse 11, I will remember the Lord's words. Yes, I will remember your ancient wonders. I will reflect on all you have done and meditate on your actions. That sounds good. What does he choose to remember and reflect on? Well, to paraphrase verse 16 onwards, the water's shaking, the earth shaking, storms thundering, arrows flying back and forth. This is powerful poetry showing God's powerful nature and his control over the wind and the waves. I don't know about you, what you're doing on Tuesday morning, but when I got up, I was, I was feeling a lot of problems on my mind. I was kind of mulling them over, and I was all through my morning routine just thinking about these things until I stepped outside. I stopped, and I forgot completely about them because the rain, it was absolutely torrential. I don't know if you guys saw that, but driving through that, I almost laughed because I was just like, wow, I've got these huge problems on my mind, but really, there's a God who's in control of this downpour is in control of the weather, the whole world. Storms are a great reminder of God's power and his control. I also had this um, umbrella from the flat with me. It was kind of rainbow colored. Uh, So it got me thinking about God's promises uh, to Noah in Genesis 9, that he would never flood the world again, the power of the rainbow there. God has the power to keep his promises, and he has thus far. See, the same's going on here for Asaph. You see, he's not just looking out his window at the water and kind of describing it poetically and at some rain. He's got his mind on one particular event in history. In verse 19, he reflects, Your way went through the sea, and your path through the vast water, but your footprints were unseen. He's talking about a huge event hundreds of years before him in Israel's history, where God He rescued Israel from their Egyptian captors by splitting the Red Sea in two so that they could pass through and then crashing the waters down on the Egyptians. He's remembering that God does save people, lots of people. His track record is right there. So you remember how I said that Asaph had come across an answer to when personal troubles and doubts get us down or cost us our sleep? It's here. Look back on what God has done. Look back on God's faithful past. And we'll come back to this, but it's worth saying now that we've got to know and remember the Bible the same way as he did to give ourselves ammunition for that fight. How else could Asaph know about the Red Sea and find comfort except that he actually knew and remembered the scriptures in that moment? We'll come back to that, but it's worth saying. And as Asaph does that, he gets to answer those big questions he has of has God changed? Have we now been abandoned? 
Look at what Moses sings just after that same Red Sea crossing in the book of Exodus. Lord, your right hand is glorious in power. Lord, your right hand shatters the enemy. What's familiar here? Do you see it? God's right hand, his power, is at work decisively. It's the same right hand that Asaph wondered if it had changed back in verse 10. Just when circumstances led him to the conclusion that God's love had gone and had been abandoned, Asaph turned to the truth of God's past, his holy ways, his powerful right hand in action. Isn't that great? And friends, it needs to be the same for us. We need to stop being babies about things. I know we've kind of had a couple of baby analogies here. So first of all, you know, the lullabies. And now I want to chat to you more about um, Peekaboo. You guys know Peekaboo? The, the game? Not, not Pikachu. Um, Peekaboo. It's kind of the, the, the game where, um, say, I like cover my face in front of a baby. And I'm like, Peekaboo. And the baby, they, they kind of laugh. They kind of respond because, like, they seem to forget that you're actually there. It's, it's crazy. I, like, I don't know how they forget, but you know. Actually, I do, I do, because the, um, the science says that babies lack object permanence. They, they forget that you're there as soon as you hide. And then so when you reappear, they're like, oh, it's him, look, he's there. <laughs> I don't think it would work with you guys, but it, it was worth a try, it's worth a try. It's easy to laugh and kind of think, oh, that's a baby thing. But actually, I think we struggle with the same thing. Because we so easily forget God's work in our lives, or let alone all of human history, the moment he disappears from sight. And honestly, I blame our culture for it. Here in the Western world, we're so bad at dealing with history. We think it's, it's a has-been. We need to make progress and move forward. And people as well, individually, we don't stop to reflect on what God has done in our life. All about progress, moving from the wrong side of history to the right side of history. But actually, there's so much to see of what God has done. So when people say, oh, we're all about progress, no, that's baby talk. That's the goo-goo-ga-ga of a peekaboo Christian. Don't be like the baby, forgetting that God is there the moment he disappears from sight. Sometimes, like verse 19 says, God's footprints in our lives are unseen. Don't be a peekaboo Christian. Sometimes, as well, we can fall into the trap of just trying to bring back old memories, old emotions from when we were really like on fire. But here in the psalm, back in verse 5, we heard Asaph pretty much say the same thing. He said, I consider days of old, years long past. He said he looked back on his music, all the other psalms he has written, all the joy that he'd expressed, but it just didn't quite comfort him the way he hoped. Didn't quite cut the mustard. But the good news is, even when we can't see God in our problems or in our lives, there are thousands of years of faithfulness in his resume. God's faithful past comforts our present troubles. God's faithful past comforts our present troubles. So where do you turn when the day of trouble strikes? When a family member dies of cancer when you can't pay your next bill. Whatever question you might have been wrestling about last night with about God or his world, where do you go when it eats away at you? For me, it's so often distraction from the internet. It's way easier just to open a new tab and, and check something quickly than to actually deal with discomfort, with discontent, with pain in that moment. For others, I know it's, it's a Netflix or YouTube or TV or a gaming binge 
Has that become a weekly habit for you? Or even a daily fix? It shouldn't be this way. It could be sweating it off at the gym. It could be long soaks in the hot tub. It could be a shopping splurge or always having a good little getaway to look forward to. These are all the things that our culture are pushing us towards to distract, to ignore, to escape, to suppress. Because our culture, it does not have an answer to the pain. But God gives us a decisive answer. It's all there in the thousands of years of God's faithfulness that we see in the Bible. That's where to go. And you know what's more? There's something conclusive that means we can have future hope in the midst of our present troubles. This is the last point in the outline. We can have future hope because we actually have something better than Asaph to look back on. He saw God's faithful past as he saved the Israelites from Egypt. We have seen even more as Jesus saves us from our sins. Romans 5.8 says that God proves his own love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God proves his love has never changed and it will not change because he does not and he will not abandon us. When we were down and out, he sent his son to die for us. Jesus, he's the guarantee that in all the messiness and pain of life, God loves his people. That might be what you need to hear today. So I'll say it again and I'll say it firmer. God loves you. He will deliver us from our present troubles because he already has in Christ. He sent Jesus to make sure of the fact that we would have a future hope with him. So in times of doubt, get your answers and your comfort from the Bible where we see what Jesus has done for us. Don't get them from a TED Talk. Most of all, don't get them from yourself, from your own head. As the preacher Martin Lloyd-Jones famously asked, have you realized that most of your unhappiness in life is due to the fact that you are listening to yourself instead of talking to yourself? This is a great change to make, listening to talking. I don't mean you should stop listening to other people. I've tried that. It doesn't work out well. But I do mean you should stop listening to yourself. You don't just ask those questions. Has God abandoned me? Has he stopped loving me? And then sit in the hollow echo chamber of your own head. Because the answer will probably feel like yes. Instead, talk to yourself. With, when you're doubting, coach yourself with answers from the Bible. Preach God's faithfulness to yourself. What does that look like in this context? It means when that voice comes up in your head, it says that line, has God abandoned me? Maybe he has. We hit back by telling ourselves, no, because of Jesus, I'm secure. And God tells you as much. Chapter and verse, Hebrews 13, 5, I will never leave you or abandon you. Remember that, Nick. Or if the voice comes in your head and it asks, has God stopped loving me? Tell yourself, no. Back to Romans 5, 8. He loved us even though we're sinners. He loved me even though I'm a sinner. Jesus died to bring me into God's family. God doesn't change. He'll never leave me. And I can bank on that because of the cross. So good. Because the true answer to all those doubts, all those questions, mine this week, Asaph's in Psalm 77, yours while you lie in bed tonight, it's found in Jesus and in his cross. There we see who God is, what he's done, and what he's pledged himself to do.
I hope you can see that today. Jesus has come and he's died for us so that we can belong to God forever and ever. That's our future hope, rooted in God's faithful past. If you're here and you don't trust Jesus, I hope you've seen that Christians can have a trust that God has us securely, that runs deeper than any circumstance we might find ourselves in. Jesus is God's answer to our questions and our doubts. He offers a certain future in all the uncertainty of life. And if you are a Christian, I'll say it again. In times of doubt, get your answers from the Bible. Make the experience in the psalm your own. And preach to your heart about God's faithfulness and grace as he's shown us in Jesus. In those sleepless nights when your troubles are bearing down on you, remember your questions have been answered by the cross. I've been feeling this a bit lately as I've been journeying with a friend of mine uh, who's really been rocked by doubts, questions, that he's not even sure where they've been coming from. As I've gone to, to chat and spend time with him, I haven't really known what to say. You often don't. But as we've listened and prayed and talked, I've just been amazed to see that simply going back to God's faithfulness, reaffirming stuff that I know he knows, I know I know, the sort of effect that it's had on him. It hasn't cured things. Things, feelings, doubts still come back. Sleeplessness still comes back. But in those moments, it's that battle, it's that fight that wins us the hope of the future. It hasn't made it easy for him, but it has made it bearable. That's so good. God's past faithfulness comforts our present troubles with future hope. So as we pray together, let's do so to the God of all history and of the psalm, to the God who crossed that sea and who went to the cross for us. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, that you do work through the weak, the weak things of this world, the cross of Jesus, so that by that we might become strong in our hard times. Thank you, Lord, that you are an anchor, a hope for our soul, even when the darkness is there. Remind us today of your goodness to us, As Jesus said to us, Lord, help us to be courageous, knowing that even in suffering, he has overcome the world. Might we remember that today? Might it take us from here, renewed to hope again? In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to a sermon recording from Auckland EV. We hope you found it helpful. And if you'd like to find out more about Jesus or about church, we'd love to get in touch. So check out our website at aucklandev.co.nz for more details. Thanks for listening.